Teacher, what star is that? Peace to the planet Earth. You know what it is? Worldwide, West Side. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Bishop Chronicles, I have a special, special guest here. Dr. Tangi Gilliam is here to uh, talk about a lot of stuff that deals with like women and hip hop and all the stuff that you talk about in the car, but you don't actually talk about. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, uh, welcome, Dr. Tangi Gilliam. How are you Thank doing today? Thank you so much. I'm pumped. Um, we haven't been able to just link in so long. I know, in hell a year. You know what I was tripping off? Back together. Pumped. When did we meet? Did we meet at Harvard? No, we met for the first time in your hood. And I when you thinking, came out here because of yeah, Dr. Peterson. I think so. I think he's the one yeah. who told me about you and was just kind of yeah. like, look, if you're trying to do West Coast and you want, you know, to link with some folks. When we were in L.A., I linked up with the poetess at the radio yeah. station downtown. That's my homegirl. Shout out to the poetess. I know, I know. She's so dope. And then yeah. when I got up to you guys, I um, linked with Boots Riley downtown. Yeah. Yeah, and then we it's got the on your, is it the BART? It's the BART, right? Where you are? Yeah, yeah, BART train. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. got on the BART and we came, came down to Fremont. Where you are, Fremont. And yeah, we Fremont. recorded over at Lake Elizabeth. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was cool. That was yeah, cool. it was cool. Yeah, I mean, you're from the Bay Area, so you have no idea how cool it was for me to be in the Bay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It was cool. It was cool. <laughs> yeah. What's crazy is a lot of people don't know that me and Boots were friends in high school. That nice. Boots, so. I used to go to a high school called Oceana and I had a DJ crew and then one of my crew moved to the East Bay and then he joined a group that was Boots and this other dude. And so he was a DJ for them because we were just a crew. We were just DJ. And then and then he was like, yo, you got to be my boy Boots. Now, in those days, it was high top fade days. So yeah. <laughs> Boots had one of the biggest high top fades. So it was it was me, Boots and Sway. We had the okay. biggest high top phase in the bay. Nice. And nice. so um, <laughs> we would hang out. But the dude that Boots was rapping with was like a, he was like a new edition type of fool. You feel what I'm saying? And he didn't <laughs> like, he didn't like, bad? you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, he was one of these new edition, you know, if it is in love, you know what I'm saying? And so no, like, he still had the you know, girl. <laughs> Y'all were rocking he did. He had the S curl. You know how you get the S curl. You know how the S curl, the tight fade. You know what I'm saying? Like you know, he looked like Bobby Brown's like broke roadie or something. You know what I'm saying? But he was trying to do it. And um, after a while, Boots was like, "But that guy's brother had the studio. That's so if like they would want to, if they would want to make a like a real grimy track, he'd be like, "No, man, we got to do it. You know, if it is, he'd be like that." So, like, Boots left and then created the coup. <laughs> like, yeah. that's a little crazy. Well, I mean, that's a great Genesis story for the coup because it sounds like it was a long time coming. I was going to ask yeah. you not about his bandmate in high school, but I know your world civilizations teacher was about through with both of y'all. <laughs> <laughs> 
that's that's the real dilemma. Like your history Yo. was like, dude, okay, it's not Africana studies every day. <laughs> 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 Tell me Greek mythology and English class was a real time for me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no joke, no joke. Yeah, man. Now, shout out to the cool. Yeah, man. You know what I'm saying? Rest in peace, DJ Pan, the Funkstress. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Um, I miss her. She was amazing. Yes. Um, in fact, I met her the same day she met Boots. That's what was crazy. There was like a hip hop I wish convention. I had a chance. I wish I had a chance to meet her. Um, but that was a dope. I can't remember the name of the restaurant. It was right in downtown Oakland. Um, I believe it was either black owned or mm -hmm. at least minority owned. Mm -hmm. And we just chopped it up. I, Boots gave me the best. I asked all of you the same 15 question set. Right. right? Um, and Boots answer about R. Kelly at a moment when that scandal had first kind of broke, you know? is going into the Universal Hip Hop Museum. And I just can't wait for you and, you know what I mean? Boots That's going to be everyone, the bonkers, everyone, man. You know what I mean? From those interviews. Thank you for including me, man. That's crazy. Time. Hell yeah. Thank you for having us. Yeah. So, so tell the people what you do. Because, like, I'm I could say that you do documentary films, but you you are an amazing I person shifted. who does a lot. So. I shifted. I shifted. I, I'm an urban planner, really, right? Um, and the shift happened once I realized that that media and that technology in order to create documentary films was getting so much more accessible. And mm. I loved that, right? I loved it because it meant that, you know, whereas it started with this high-end stuff that I brought into public school classrooms right. in order to teach young people to use, and that's where it started for me anyway, it developed mm. in a quick 10 years into, you know, $800 or less more affordable technology that people could get their hands on in the hood right alongside you. Right, you and start I mean? shooting. And film and shoot their own music videos. So it was yeah. peace and it was love. But at the yeah. end of the day, what I started to deflect back to, not just because there was a market for it, because there's hardly a market for it, really, um, unfortunately, especially as Black planners, but I started to um, kind of deflect back to my research skills you know, mm. and my capacity for research-based writing. Because <laughs> right. I realized that, you know, as community folk, as, you know, grassroots folks, as Black folk, um, which is what my priority is for my company, yeah. we're going to gravitate towards the arts naturally. It's just who we mm -hmm. are as a people. But if you are the one with the PhD and you're the one that can write the grants for clients and you can write strategic right. plans for clients, then go where you're needed most, mm -hmm. you know? And so that story, it's very common for Black female activists, right? To oh, kind of real. pull that plug <laughs> that's needed. But for me, it was like, okay, you have these two parts of your brain. And whereas it is still fun to just kind of whip it out and take some great photographs every now mm -hmm. and again, the part that's needed most in your community is the part that not everyone knows how to do because they just weren't trained to, you know? So. Right, and here you come. I'm an urban planner. Yeah. I'm an urban planner. That is beautiful. Yep. That is beautiful. So, yep. you know, um, despite being an urban planner, you know a lot about hip-hop. I and do you know a lot about hip-hop. You've observed, observed many things. 
But that's because they're like, young. Kids don't know nothing. Kids yeah, they don't know nothing. Like, what they you can't listen to them young people. Yeah, I mean, but every now and yeah. again, I put them on, and we have these epic kind of battles back and forth with, you know, playing DJ one song at a time, who's going to oust the other person in a particular right. round. Right, right. You know, so, uh, yeah, you know, we get to them. <laughs> we get uh, to that's them. that's beautiful. Yeah, they so, you know, when I look around, I see a lot of things that deal with like women in hip hop and I got a lot of questions and I'm not a woman. So I figured I needed somebody knowledgeable on deck and uh, I think you're perfect. Uh, the nice thing person. is that you didn't think that you couldn't learn from a woman about her oh. on hip hop because a lot of male journalists just think I'm not a woman. They so do, huh? They be thinking they know it. Or so I don't have to talk about it, even worse. You know what I mean? Like, I can right. understand an informed opinion, but, like, you know, the worst is when it's like, oh, I only have to talk about women in hip-hop when, you know, my station says we can do a guest right. journalist from, you know, or whatever right. the case <laughs> <laughs> That's that. <laughs> Let's get a woman in to see how she feels about Queen Latifah. You're like, yeah, it's, Latifah. it's woman There's so many other women in <laughs> That's it's way. like shout out to Queen Latifah, but still, there's others. Shout you know out saying? to her, um, and yeah, yeah she's legacy. amazing. Yeah, yeah. You know? The legacy so, is Jersey. Shout out to Jersey on that one. You know what? Do you know that song that she did on the, the soundtrack to New Jersey Drive? And it's got I don't remember it offhand. It's like I can't forget New Jersey. Can't forget New Jersey. <laughs> I remember it. Yo, that yeah. track makes me want to be from Jersey. Every All time right, I hear that song, I gotta, I gotta move. I gotta move. My favorite one from her is "Just Another Day." You know, just yeah, like I was listening to that yesterday. Kind of like, you know, that's my favorite. Oh one. my my my! You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, that's my I'm favorite one from her. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So where should we start talking about women in hip hop? I'm not sure where to start because there's so much going on. There are so many things to talk about. There are so many things to talk about and there's so many different ways that people try to kind of pigeonhole this discussion of women in hip hop to that conversation about hypersexuality and, you know, mm -hmm. is it feminist or is it not? I want to go in a completely different direction. I want to talk about love. you want. This is I your, talk yes. love. Yeah, I remember we said we were going to kind of hone in on this idea of all love. Love is important, especially right yeah, now. And I, I feel like it's been such a predominant part of women in hip-hop, but it's not often talked about because in those spaces, we get a more diversified set of representations beyond just the hypersexual female. So whereas the hypersexual female is still important and still factors in in the conversation of love, you know, there's so many more women inside of these conversations about love, right? There's the hook yeah. girl, there's the jump off, but there's also, right, the queen of hip hop soul, right? Mm. So I just want to be able to talk about all of the full spectrum. Yeah, and I think love as a theme in hip hop gets us that easiest when it comes to women's representations. It's really deep now because now that you mention it, I mean, I remember LL Cool J's I Need Love song being huge. Like, I remember it, you know. And I remember when I heard it, even as young as I was, I was like, mm, that's going to be a whole thing. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I knew, oh, like, absolutely. rap. 
love songs were going to be a thing. And I was like, wow. And then like, yeah. look how many that, that, have, that, have, that, have, that have come since then. However, I'm trying to think of the first women's love rap that I remember. You know what? Honestly, I think that you don't have to go too much farther than your earliest posse cuts. So let's just go to the very first one, Shyrock, right? Mm. Four plus one more, right? Hey, that song is so hard. Love is embraceive enough where by the time you put this assembly of something like community and hip hop and those posse records are great for that. Yeah. Then that balance and that duality becomes so important to our understanding of like what a whole hip hop body politic is supposed to look like, you know, real. Um, And so I didn't meet Shyrock until way later. Right. But by the time I met her and, you know, given our age differential, I was like, oh, you were the black girl in hip hop that we should have learned about first because you're the lady of hip hop. Now talk about that as an identity. Right. You're the first lady of hip hop. You're the first female to get on wax. You know what I mean? And so, you know, just this idea that hip hop is presidential before Michelle Obama. You know what I mean? Like everybody kind of talked about how That's real. Michelle Obama and their relationship with Jay-Z and Beyonce, you know, as the first family and, you know, kind of us, my president is black, right? The Jeezy song, like that's that right. hip-hop <laughs> as presidential, but you're not in terms of the way in which Shyrock narrates her narrative, right? Mm. She's the first lady of hip hop. We were already, right? Yeah. Um, governing a body of people in a way that wasn't strict formal government, but still has everything to do with our, our norms, our politics. It was still real to us. Very real to us. Right. More real real in a lot of cases than the presidency, right? Mm. So if we didn't see representation until (laughs) Michelle and Barack, we have an entire 40 something year history prior to them coming in. That's real. Kind of coming to terms with how we're going to identify in this culture. What are we going to call it? Mm. Why are we calling it that? What are the elements, right? So to have Shyrock as the first female MC helped to carve out that identity, particularly because she was in the middle of, you know, this posse record with all guys, right? Right. So we were at least teasing out from a very early moment what it was going to like to have Black male space and Black female space inside of hip hop and how they were going to rock a party together, you know? That's huge. That's huge. Black love. So how do you see love evolve in hip hop over the years in the ways that most struck you or impressed you? I think the dopest of the dope female MCs, and I won't even do a kind of list formation because it runs antithetical to the way in which women approach the culture, right? Right, makes sense. So, like, whereas, you know, a kind of capital H history with your top five dead or alive kind of follows in the format of a civics lesson, right? Mm -hmm. The founding fathers. For women, I don't even think they care to rank, right? You know what I mean? Um, But on the same lines, you know, it's just the dopest of the dope MCs have just kind of start with self-love first. Right. Right. And this is how you get it articulated by people like Queen Latifah and by people like MC Light, right? Georgie Port? Yeah, hell yeah. That Uh, song is live, man. I love Georgie Port. Queen. You know what I mean? And so it's just kind of like, a self-love, self-representation that shows you who they are as a woman 
and then kind of slides you into an understanding of community love next right man like what their role is in this space it's so deep it's so deep you say that because as you said that i remember my favorite song from latifah even though i talked about that jersey song which i really 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 do love yeah uh uh, off her first album do you remember the song she had with daddy o called the pros it was to a reggae beat but the thing was is that the reggae beat wasn't a reggae beat that's regular it actually came from uh miles davis I'm showing my age because it's like I had these records, but it's been yeah. So no, 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 no. I, I know, I know. What no, I will I'm... say is that reggae beat during that era, right? Yeah, was popularized by New Jersey rappers like Courageous Teachers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, kind of because, yeah, because I'm in Trenton. Trenton, right? kind of quickly remark on that history and how they feel like you know uh rightfully so that their kind of forays into that reggae element were prior to krs's even you know mm-hmm. what i mean in mm-hmm. terms of like mm-hmm. what they were doing in the space and what it means to take that quick hour and a half trench you know what i mean up yeah. to new york city and to come down you know which many uh rappers did um so like yeah i mean that sound it's familiar, even though the record doesn't immediately pop. No, that yeah, song I mean. is so dope. It's it's produced so well. I think Daddy O produced that too, and it's okay. like a duo track between them. And like when you when you talk about like this holistic community vibe thing, like I you know I felt like it was very much embodied in that song. Yeah, like Daddy O. I mean, I, th- I think that what um, has always been different about my approach to hip hop scholarship. And this is not a knock at all to a more formal approach. Yeah. I, I get why it is that history has to be challenged and kind of historicized in much the same ways as any other kind of history for us too, right? You gotta know those yeah. records, you gotta know those dates. It's because I am a black feminist, right? And right. so I have like a conscious rejection to kind of like, you know, throwing a title on a date. You know what I mean? Yeah, it can be, it can be like, um, like a vibe. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it can get too clinical. It can get too clinical and it's like, you know, the reality is what gets written down is history. What gets recorded in the industry is history, even worse, Mm. right? Um, Isn't always the official record on what was actually going down inside the culture in these different spaces, right? Real. Um, And so even when we fight to make it the official record, right? I'm thinking back to KRS real fast, like this idea of the bridge is over, right? Um, Even when we fight to make it a historical record, there's always going to be somebody in the space that was already kind of fighting, right? For recognition at the same time even if they didn't achieve that recognition at the same time that's why i i love chuck d's definition you know of just kind of historicization for hip-hop where he's like look hip-hop is black culture we go back thousands of years like stop getting hung up (laughs) yeah right 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 right, right. you know what i'm saying it was august 11th in 1973 with you know what i'm saying and it's like are you sure so you saying on august 10th hip-hop wasn't around Exactly. And and if those guys were rocking the party, who was home watching their kids? Straight up. <laughs> you know what up. I mean? Back to women in hip hop. You gotta be yeah. like, what sorts of spaces at that moment became integral for the production of hip hop 
that are always going to be overlooked because it's not on the other side of the microphone or it's right. not on top of the cardboard. You know what right. I mean? Like, what no, are we missing in terms of, like, supportive networks? So it's no different than, like, going back and fighting to reclaim these women from the civil rights movement who, you right. know, really rode the front of the bus first or, you right, know. Right, 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 right. And so, whatever other kind of movement. One of the things that I've been wrestling with the last few days, like I was talking with my parents a few days ago, and they were, my, my, have you heard this new song called WAP? And I was like, oh, no. Right? And I was like, yeah. And then my dad was like, have you heard it? Have you seen the video? What do you think? And I was like, I said, you know, I'm not going to lie, man. I said, like, it's a cool song. I'm not mad at it, and I don't love it. Like, I understand why yeah. it's big. Like, I get it. Yeah. Like, artistically, I understand why it's big. And I am a fan of Cardi B lyrically. Megan Thee Stein, I don't really, I haven't listened to that much of her work, so I'm not going to critique her That's artistically. True. Not mad at the song, not mad at the video. And mm -hmm. my mom was like, well, why is it such a big deal? And everybody's upset. I haven't seen it. And I said, well, mm -hmm. I, said, I, think th I said, I think the issue is that every 20 years a black woman does something sexually powerful in music and the planet goes nuts nuts and, 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 and you got yeah i mean right? <laughs> you know and i was i was like it go, the planet goes nuts i said but i didn't see anything that little kim didn't do right I didn't so see here, anything, right, so here's you know, thing. that Millie Jackson, like even before hip hop, you got like Millie Jackson, you yeah. know what I mean? Like doing a lot of sexualized music stuff. Yeah. And I said, I still think the planet's not okay or at peace with the sexuality of black woman. And that's why every 20 years, everybody loses their mind. But under that umbrella of like black sexuality and like the, like this whole polarity thing of desire between like how black women are rejected publicly but desired privately and all this other stuff i said you know i don't think the song's that big of a deal i mean kylie jenner her scene should have been cut down or she could have been given a different role but outside of that <laughs> outside of that i wasn't really offended i thought it was well made i thought you know what i mean for young people of this generation i see why it's a big deal but i also see why it's problematic um, as a father of two black girls, you know what I'm saying? Like, what are your thoughts? So, okay, um, before we kill it, right? Um, I do think that the basic premise of the argument that's going to come out for me is that the message, the imagery, the lyrics are redundant at this point, right? They're an extension of something that Little Kim probably best popularized. Mm -hmm that some really articulate journalists that I saw in the middle of the space kind of reminded me is still an extension of salt and pepper and you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like and Foxy I Brown and you know, like things kind of coming earlier in hip hop, but that little Kim kind of sort of best popularized and created a formula inside the industry for mm -hmm. other rappers, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but coming on the heels of this domestic violence incident that Megan Thee Stallion recently you know, encountered. I do think that there's an argument for it to be an expression of female solidarity, where you have Cardi B as a more established rapper in the game, mm -hmm. out reaching out at right. this critical moment and saying, look, we're going to make a mega hit. I don't know how you plan to get over this shooting incident, but we're right. literally, like, I mean, real talk, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, if we're going to be survivors in this space, Right. We're going to dig deep and, you know, kind of come together in a moment in expression of solidarity. 
I didn't think it was best articulated from a visual standpoint inside of the video, but I did love the album cover. And what I loved about the cover art, right, was that when you look at it, first of all, it's well composed, right? Well lit, you know, this idea of a, you know, a diptych, right? It's right. not two photos next to each other, but it gives off that look because they're trying to make them look so similar. Right, right. If it were not for the curvature of their tongue, I might have missed it, especially in the scroll generation. I'm serious. Like, I was looking right. at it, staring at it, like, oh, that's kind of dope. Okay. Oh, it's both of their record. All right, but who's on the cover? Oh, that's both of them, right? So on the one hand, it's actually an even visually expressed solidarity, yeah. right? We're mirroring each other. We're standing next to each other at a moment where this is a PR nightmare for you at best, right? And at worst, it's an incident of domestic violence. At least that's how it's shaping up. Like, and, 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 and questionably attempted murder. You know what I'm saying? Questionably. Like, like was he a bad shot? Or, you know Yeah, I mean? like, so, you know, what was the, it? the more that I, I come across it, it seems like he was shooting at her feet to make her dance, like to kind of punk her. And, and some of the bullet fragments hit the ground and then hit her foot. You see what I'm saying? So when you take it there, right? And when you get that now post Rihanna and Chris Brown, right. right? Way, way, way post D Barnes, Dr. Dre, right? right? You know what I mean? We have to have moments where instead of just feeding it over to news media and having that be, right, the spectacle about Black female body at the moment, I'm going to give you a hit record. And I don't think Cardi B gave it to her. I think they were both accomplished enough and mm -hmm. come together on a track. Mm -hmm. But they said, look, but, you know, this is what I mean by all love. Like, the, if the constant dialectic in hip-hop is Black women, Black men, right? It's a very heteronormative culture. So if that's the constant, it is actually slightly revolutionary to see two Black women in the wake of domestic violence <laughs> incident have a hit record inside that of That shakes the planet, right? though. That shakes the planet. Exactly. That shatters that records, record. you know what I'm saying? You know? A hit record. And there's a formula for it, right? Like one of the uh, videos I was looking at in order just to express my own internal excitement about today was that Remy My Little Kim record that recently came up. Right. Up, right. And that video where basically Kim's only in the video because Remy Ma is challenging Kim. She's right. channeling right. me, Kim, right? And so even though Kim doesn't spit on that track, it's so much of her lyrics, so much of her presentation, and her so energy much of the and, the, of, and the vibe. Yeah, yeah, her energy that they black out in the middle of that video. It's a much better video. And Boston. and Remy Ma, I think Remy Ma is is a as big as she is because of the TV stuff. I gotta say that as an MC, I still think she's undersold. Oh, I think she's underappreciated. Oh. I think she's under acknowledged for her lyricism and her looks. Like she's dope, man. She's got a dope she's dress dope. code. She got dope bars. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know? Like she her relationship with Papoose, who's also a dope rapper. Like it's just, it says a lot. Yeah, she got lost in the posse cuts, which is a shame, yeah. right? Because that's where that happens to a lot of women, right? So unlike, uh, I love the new Nas album. I hope you do too, right? I haven't uh, heard it yet. Song. I got it. That's my oh. that's my homework for today. That's my homework that's, for today. That's your homework for today, says Dr. Gilliam. You need to go <laughs> check that out. So <laughs> you know it. they reinvented the firm, right? Yes. So Fox 
still had a moment where even if it was alongside Jay-Z or if it was inside of this firm, right? Right. Um, she got stuck in, you know, moments of the posse cut, but she still had her own identity. Right. I think Remy Ma has had a tougher time breaking out from that. I think Which is strange, actually. Go ahead. To your point, it's strange because you're right, but I'm I, I, I trip because of all of the media popularity around her jail entry and release. It's weird that she's still not getting it, although she should, but I think that you've hit something really, really, really. It's it's weird, but in the case of her squad, at least, even Fat Joe didn't let the identity of their posse cut overshadow the death and significance of Big Pun. Mm. right so even fat joe took a step back like that's what's kind of fair and even in balance about her posse yeah like her whole crew fell back in a way that was more homage right um and i think that you know if she were in like a flip mode squad like rodica was where she still had a giant in the way of Busta Rhymes in order right. to anchor to if she wanted to, but still could spit hard as hell as lyricists, right? Shout out Man, to Rob Digger is right? un- underappreciated. Underappreciated, but has independent- Harriet Thugman? Harriet Thugman. You know, uh, Ladies and gentlemen. was four years ago. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yo, so man, I'm like trying to tell you, man, like Rob Digger, man. <laughs> Uh, she's dope. And she's just a beautiful person and an educator, an amazing yeah. educator. Yeah. And I mean, so like, even, even Heather like, B. You know, yeah. Uh, and, and uh, you know, Heather B, shout out to this the idea of kind of having MTV BT at its height push you onto a stage in a way that said, we have this thing, it's reality TV. We don't know what we're going to do with it yet, but let's, you know, think about what it means to have Puffy identifying the space and have these other, you know, like rap. I mean, and she's just so dope as an artist, her knowledge of hip hop, like how funny she is, how much um, drive as a human being. She had to know how rare she was, how skilled she was, how focused she had to be. I mean, it's hard not to just be incredibly... Heather B. and Rod Dicker are great examples of this idea of what I was saying about what's going on behind the scenes, right? right? Like, show me a hip-hop that gets at that sixth element. That's my element, right? Now, just like, show me what you're doing and that doesn't mean that the tightest lyricists we have are not deeply intellectual. Of course we know they are, right? Right. But show me what you're doing in your community as an educator. Show me what you're doing in your community as a planner. Show me what you're doing as a grassroots organizer, right? So that I know that, you know, all of what we consume in hip hop is not just what we pay for in Mm. hip hop, but instead it has some real life tangible value on the ground. You know what I mean? Like what kind of love are you showing back to whatever hood you're working in? Well, see, this goes back to something I wrote about years ago. And I was saying like, you know, rappers need to stop shouting out their hood. Like I'm tired of hearing people yell Brooklyn (laughs) or Oakland or whatever. Right. Like if you from that city, they should know because you invest in the schools in that city. If you from that city, they should know because you didn't put money in all of this grill, you put it into this rec center. You didn't put it into, you know what I'm saying? Um, 
Good uh, luck, dude. Good yeah, luck a, a new outfit. You didn't put it into a new outfit or a new car that you can drive around your hood in and show off on everyone. You put it, you know what I'm saying, into a technological yeah. fund that these kids can create their own businesses. Self-love. So when you speak about love, Community like that love. stuff hits with me. You know, that's what resonates with exactly. me. Exactly, exactly. And it hits with hip-hop women. Like, I think that that's our deepest contribution, right? So whereas we allow for a space of balance, I learned this lesson actually from Africa Bambada directly. I went up in order to uh, film the president, Rocky Bucano, of UHHM for BAM's radio station in Harlem, right? Mm -hmm. Or Mm -hmm. his radio program Mm -hmm. on the station in Harlem. And I thought I was just going to be, you know, the documentarian behind the lens. And BAM played like five Rock records (laughs) until I got the point. And BAM was like, that's your seat right there. Let me hear what you have to say. The whole idea of hip hop is balance, right? right? You can't present a masculine voice and not have a feminine voice as its counterpoint. Right. And I'm like, you know what? That's dope. And yes, I'll sit down because I mm. do have something to say. And I think that what women have consistently done in hip hop, those that have reached, you know, the mic or those that have reached, you know, the cardboard or those that mm. got up, right, mm-hmm. on the building. Um, they have allowed for men to have that kind of macho presentation, which unfortunately got lost in the, you know, excessive capitalism. Right, 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 right. Era into the new millennium hip hop. Um, and let them kind of poke their chest out and be capital H historians. Mm-hmm. Whereas the women in hip hop have supported that from a more auxiliary standpoint right said, look i'll play the background but don't get it twisted there's a lot more folk in the back a lot <laughs> right right a lot more folk in the back so if you have that front and center right you know what i mean and you see this even within the confines of the industry right talk about like you know dream hampton and uh karen right. mayo and, yeah you know like some of the dopest female writer for the Source magazine, Akiba Solomon, most certainly, right? Some of the dopest female writers for our hip-hop Bible, Mm -hmm. Joan Morgan, were people who, you know, were writing the history while men were occupying the history, Mm, right? And so it's just kind of like, you know, there's a way in which women have always done that kind of extension of, look, I have no problem giving you a voice inside of a culture, but it's the very few and far in between opportunity outside of sports for you to gain a mainstream platform, right? Mm. But don't ignore the fact that if hip hop is in fact a culture and that's how you're narrating it, right? That all of that other extension of life that happens in and around gets nurtured by and, you know, and in large part led by black women. So now let's bring it back to this issue of love. Um, When the situation happened with Tori, when when the situation between Tori Lanez and and Megan happened, I was waiting for the wave of cancel to hit this fool. I was waiting to see what black men in hip hop were going to step and be like, nah, son, never. Let me explain what's fixing to happen, bro. When you get seen, bink, boom, you know what I'm saying? I was waiting to see that. And And there was a precedent for it, right? I remember in the case of Rihanna that, you know, Jay-Z wasn't afraid to go on record and say, look, uh, I'm canceling Chris Brown, at least for a while. Yeah. You understand what I mean? Like, and he has the kind of power to cancel folks. So 
even him articulating it from his position of power was a huge statement in hip hop, right? It was very huge. So it had a precedent. It definitely had a precedent. But I think that there have been some other sort of messy things going on in hip hop contemporaneously. And I'm thinking right now about, on the one hand, you have the rise within this pandemic of the People's Party. I hope you're following that with Talib Kweli and yep. Jasmine Lee. And they're, yep. you know, bossing out that platform. But then in his Twitter space, it's like, what happened between Reese and Talib quality and that seems to be a strange that that whole story is strange and i think it's going to be a while before any of us know exactly what the hell was going on with all of that it's very layered it's very strange and i'll be honest i don't get it i'd be lying if i told you i understood it i I, I don't i don't understand what's happened it's messy i think that one of the byproducts of the me too movement right is that people are getting ahead of what might be some kind of formal, you know, attack in the way of justice agents, right? Right. By creating their statement and creating their say. Now, I have been a fan of the Speak Out model. Like I said, I am a feminist. I get that it has its role, it has its place, right? right? But hip hop, in a way has always had kind of like back of house and front of house conversations but Mm -hmm. in the age of social media all of that is collapsing because you can have an entire comment thread i I feel like that's what happened the way of talent right have an entire comment thread follow underneath something that was completely unrelated to this incident between you and this other person and it's like well you have to stop and talk about it because that's what your public wants and you can read it and they can read it Right. right, They can read it from each other. So it's like, it's forcing journalism to become a little bit more democratic, which is a good thing, mm-hmm. right? You know, like it's not yeah, which about is dope. what Viacom put out anymore, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's also meaning that you get these kind of messy, unexplained, you know, not clear about all the details, presentations of what is back to love, right? A kind of complicated love dynamic between heterosexual men and women inside of hip hop that is right. Okay. And so like, if you start with self-love and you go to community love, that idea of love in a heterosexual context is where we push out all of the anxiety we have about unreconciled issues inside of our community and we pull in, right, hyper-realized um, definitions and manifestations of our presentation of self-love to balance what is, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like a very difficult um, way to find self in the middle of community trauma, right? Um, and a lot community, of community trauma. You know, so. Well, let, let me ask that's you. Let re- me I ask feel like you. that's the rest of it. And it's still all love. Right. So, you're like, testing out that violence. so like, like the thing that re- that I wrestle with just from my generation of hip hop, right? Like I'm going to, I'm going to say something that's kind of crazy because I actually don't remember it and I should. I was in an anthology of hip hop in 1993, 94. It was probably one of the first anthologies I was in. I don't think it was actually a hip hop anthology. I think it was just like a black anthology, but I was writing about hip hop, but maybe there was that's a cool. few others. So it felt hip hop heavy. Long story short, I'll remember what it is later, but there was a woman who wrote an article in that. The first time I saw this argument was, her name was Shelly Lazar. 
And what she was writing about was an instance where she either was at a club, either backstage or something, and she saw a woman either get disrespected or slapped. I don't remember, right? Like somebody either like called her a bitch or like slapped her. There were all of these fully capable men around who did nothing. And it was her saying, man, like y'all are cowards. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is not cool. You know what I'm saying? And I like, I, I hella felt it. I, I hella felt it. Right. And then I remember like the era of, you know, early PE S1Ws, man, let me tell you, if you think you was going to be at a show disrespecting women, like shoving them and, you know, calling women out, they name, yeah. but the S1Ws would change your entire like physical structure based on that. Like you wouldn't make it out of the venue. You right. know what I'm saying? Um, right. Even Pac, who can be very controversial because of what happened. Like I knew Pac personally, he loved black women. He would absolutely knock hella fools out and, and clap fools over black women. And so fast forward to now, when I see Megan the Stallion and I see all this silence, I hear Shelly's echo. I'm like, y'all just really yeah. gonna sit here and let him shoot this girl, huh? Right. And potentially mess right. with her feet up. She's a dancer and that's cool. Nobody's gonna speak to that. Nobody's gonna talk about how this dude weighs possibly a hundred pounds. And you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I know a ton of women that could choke him out. I ain't even gonna get into like dudes putting hands on him. You know what I'm saying? Like, just right. I'm a martial artist. I know women who handle food. So I'm saying like, I'm disappointed in not just the silence, but what that silence says nationally about black men within themselves. Like we should be more diligent about protecting black women in the space of hip hop period irrespective of how they rap dress look topic and it's uh, that's bothering me that's bothering me sneak peek to that interview with boots riley and that conversation about r kelly that we talked about at the beginning mm -hmm. right so mm -hmm. this was uh if you remember because it was the same weekend i met you this was like right. 2004 2005 yeah. i think it was like that right and so this is at a moment where these tapes are just first leaking, right? First leaking. And yeah. um, his basic premise for his argument was our lives, right? So community love first. Our lives as Black men and Black women have historically had less value, right, than white lives right so whereas white young people this is him explaining it white young people are allowed to just kind of travel the world and live life and maybe you know do this other excursion mm. before going into college in their 20s we were on the farms forced out of the house to go work at 13 14 years old so even Man. when it's a minor right and we've now seen this in the case of r kelly but we've also seen it in the case of africa bambata right and the accusations of him having molested 13 14 15 year old boys right our lives even from a very young age become adulterized as such that we're forced to go out and work and become whole, full-fledged independents at such a young age, right? So and that's one of the biggest crimes America fighting, has ever perpetrated on Black children. When so people huge. are not fighting for us as Black women, it's because it's been a good 10, 15 years that the expectation is you already know how to fight for yourself at best. 
right? So inside of these domestic violence relationships, it's like, oh, well, that's an issue between the two of them because she may not be physically stronger than him, but nevertheless, she made an independent decision to enter into that relationship. And so whatever hell she pays going through it- Then that's hers and his, right, 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 right. That's problematic as fuck, but it's also historic as hell. Right, which is what I think Boots is trying to explain. Right. Like, you know, like where our lives are not valued the same, right, Um, as the quote unquote majority inside of this country. Right. Right. And and with that comes. Go ahead. What you're saying is really hitting me hard um, because with that comes. There's so many levels of this. <laughs> There's so many levels to this. And, and you know, when I look at, you know, I, 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 I'll give you an example. I remember when Fetty Wap came out, you know, Trap Queen, right? He came out with Trap Queen. Yeah, I do. That, that one as, I do. As the president, I think that he's Fetty Wack, but that's just not <laughs> Ah, so so that's like, one where me and my kids just didn't see eye to eye on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember, so I was teaching seventh and eighth grade at that time. And I was yeah. just rolling out the Hip Hop Chess Federation actual methodology. So this was the first group of kids who was going to learn, you know what I mean? How chess and life were connected, blah, blah. So one day we were at a, um, at a Stanford tour. And I was walking next to this one girl. She, you know, it's always bad for girls when they look old for their age in the hood. You know what I mean? Because the dudes are going to be predatory and whatnot. Frightening. You know, it's horrible, right? And she's like really tall for her age. She's got these crazy weird green eyes. And you could just see the boys just go bonkers whenever she just shows up to class. And so she was like, Mr. Bishop, do you know the Fetty Wap? And I was like, no. And she was like, you want to hear? And I was like, yes. So then like, she gives me and I'm like, right? Like, I'm like, I'm trying not to act like it's a trip. You know what I'm saying? Cause like the kids are like, you knew Easy Ian Pac. This can't be, you know what I'm saying? This can't be harmful to you <laughs> verbally, but I'm just like, right? And like, are you sure? <laughs> I was like, yo. So then I listened to the song and I'm like, do you like this song? And she's like, yes, very much. And I was like, okay. And I didn't say nothing else. But like a later, I learned that like, she's got a boyfriend her age who's physically abusive. Her age, she was 14. She was dating another 14 year old boy and he was beating her. And I was like, what is her worldview of men, life, love, et cetera, supposed to be when at 14, she doesn't even have an innocent boyfriend, girlfriend relationship. Those aren't, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So then I'm pulling the yeah. boy aside and I'm like, yo, yeah, I heard you get, you know, violent and stuff. Like, It's not going to work. You need to, you know what I mean? And he's like, kind of, oh, okay. You know, yeah. but like, I hate that. I know that that's her history. And that's one girl in one city in one time. And that is nothing compared to the global pandemic of, 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 of violence heaped upon girls and women around the world. And it's like, it, 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 it bothers me 
and I, and I feel helpless as a oh. man to stop it. You know what I'm saying? I raise a son who don't act like that. But that's one son in one city, in one country. I get it. All right. All love, right? There is a history that Black women have authored inside of hip hop that gives us a solution here, right? And, you know, structural solutions. I'm all for concrete commitments, right? I'm thinking about Lauryn Hill's Rebel here, right? And this idea that if our lives are cheap, <laughs> Right. And she literally says that. And right. you know, you think our lives are cheap, right? You know, while the other people sleep, this is what we should be doing. We should be mm -hmm. rebelling. And I think that now that we have Rhapsody, right? right. And because we already slept on Bahamadia. Right. <laughs> race, Bahamadia. Right. Though. And Medusa. Medusa. Right? And all of these mm -hmm. other women that were telling us the whole time. Right, shout out. Yo, shout out right? to Medusa who that, just who just dropped a track with Art Son that's bonkers. I just had to tell you that. Anyone really who's listening to this women in hip hop podcast because they're just dying to see an intimate conversation with women in hip hop, go grab Rachel Ramis. She's a filmmaker. Nobody knows my name. It's got Medusa in it, Bahamadia in it. Great and pioneer. Right now, shout out to her. Yeah. The third is that she shadows Bahamadia hits like a hot 70 bars nonstop in it Medusa's all in her natural element on stage as well as just kicking back with her fro in her house you know come on, I mean? man. Like, come on man showing you an intimate profile with these three women so go watch that film but we've yes. had examples right of hip hop women that have already called out the nonsense and said look Right, I don't care if you're my ex in the case of Wyclef. Right? Right, 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 I don't care if you think that this live album is not up to par with Miseducation of Lauren Hill. You're gonna sit there, MTV studio audience, and whoever else watches this and buys it and listen to me repeat this chord right on a guitar, right? Dumb down the music and give you some real lyrics. And the, you know, the expectation is you are supposed to re rebel. This right. is before Tarana Burke starts an entire Me Too movement for right. better or for worse, right? No matter where you come in, she said, I am going to create an entire movement against the sexual violence of black women and girls mm. in particular, right? That can then have the kind of salience and extension to do a Sandusky case, can right. do, you know what I mean? Bill Cosby, right? right? America's black father um, in a public media. And I, you know, I have my feelings and my beefs about anything that, you know, allows yeah. justice agents to peek in on, you know, things that we could be dealing with direct inside of our community, right? Like you said, somebody may need to step to Tory Lanez, right? Um, but the idea, right, that we can create a movement um, around just, you know, rebelling against the very issue that touches both genders, this idea that our lives are cheap, mm. that our lives are not valued, as Boo said explicitly, from very young ages, that we were raped on the plantations, so why not get raped, right? Financially, personally, physically, right? Emotionally, psychologically, right? Um, all over American media, right? Um, to this present day, hundreds of years later. 
right? And so, yes, we have an obligation. We have responsibility. Queen Latifah was on that from way back. You know what I mean? We have an obligation. We have a responsibility to take it back to our communities and say, not only is this your presentation of self-love as I identify in it, but it's part of a larger Pan-Africanist history. Do your do your homework. Yeah, yeah. I mean, pick up yeah. those books and see a reflection of yourself inside of Queen Hachette. See a reflection right. of yourself inside of Queen Nzinga, right? Queen Tai. And then you don't have to model it direct. <laughs> the goddess Tai, yeah. You model it direct. You know what I mean? Like, you, uh, you know, Sacagawea. Right, <laughs> right, right. You understand what I mean? Like, no, you don't have to model it direct. You can find it wherever you like. Whether or not you pick up the red, black, and green medallions, or whether or not you right. pick up the kufis, you know, whether or not you pick up the hijab. You got the, the newt goddess but, hieroglyphics in your in your wall, you know what I'm saying? Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You know what I mean? And so it's kind of like you can pick up your presentation of self-love as long as it's a reflection of how beautiful we are as a people. You know what I mean? Yeah. All love. All love means what do we all look like? And rather than be our lowest form, right, or rather than be too narrow a definition of what that representation of Black womanhood or Black manhood is supposed to look like, right? You could be a gangster, but seeing as how there have been X amount of rappers that have already been gangsters, you know what I mean? What do you know about a Tupac Amaru Shakur, right? And, And how does that nuance your presentation of gangster at the very least a little bit right yeah and give you a deeper understanding of it that we can support inside of film right john singleton did a great job with not just tupac and his rebranding and re-imaging mm. but also janet jackson why right? and we can kind of come together right with an understanding of what new representations of black womanhood and black malehood could look like in order so that we don't get stuck as the survivors of sexual or any other gender-based violence, right? Um, the survivors of gang violence, the survivors of, you know, homicide, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like we have other alternatives for where we end up and they're only going to be reached if we set up a new presentation of who we are from the outset, you know? So I want to run something by you. Those are amazing points. I want to run something by you that's been sitting on my head and heart for a while. So it's always been a problem to me that as hip hop grew, prison culture became hip hop culture. I always hated that. You know what I mean? I was hoping it would be the other way around. You know what I mean? That the, the hip hop would infect the jails and people would start chilling and being more artistic or whatever, but that's not the way it played out. In the same way, I remember when a rapper named Balance called me in 2003 and he was like, I just got back from Texas, man. I was like, well, what was up? And he was like, well, he was like, I learned that in order to really blow up, you got to have strippers dance to your music. And I was like, well, what do you mean? Yeah. He goes, well, all the top rappers in Houston, they find strippers who are big and then they'd be like, hey, I'll pay you to dance to my music. Then the girls dance to the music. And then what do all the dudes want? They want the song that the girl danced to. And then the girls who like those men go by the song that the girls who dance. Right. Okay. So now fast forward. And in the same way that for men, for black men, prison culture has had too much of an impact on hip hop and how they see it, how they see themselves and the psychology. 
I feel like in a WAP America, that stripper culture, mm-hmm. okay? For, so for the men, what starts is like this holistic hip hop culture gets kind of like carved, you know what I mean? And the road gets kind of curved toward prison, yeah. right? And so for the women, right? Yeah. You can come in rapping like Lauryn Hill, but at some point you gonna get the nails done, extra long hair, short skirt, let's go. And so I hate that. I hate we that. became complicit and, and it's nothing to like that's for sure um that is nothing to love um so i hate it too we became complicit in something that was historical and beyond our control in terms of who's really profiting from these true persons, and that's like white right? supremacy is a system um, yeah absolutely and in terms of who's creating these legislations right mm-hmm. so maybe if we weren't so interested in clinton's ability to play the saxophone and possibly be the first non-black black president right. we might not have missed the fact that those rockefeller drug laws were going to run rampant inside of our communities right so right. we became um a victim of something that was much larger than the hip-hop industry at least right, right. but all love like this is how we became complicit in it what um is very true um that while it's very true that hip-hop did grow contemporaneously with prison culture it also grew contemporaneously with digital culture right and so even though we know that from a dj standpoint scratch mix you know what i mean breakbeat hunting like the whole thing was very technical from its outset um People often sleep on the fact that both digital culture and hip-hop were more or less 80s babies. And I know that, you know, like hip-hop prides itself on the, you know, the narrative that it was founded and nurtured in the 70s. But when you think about when it kind of grew into mass production, they're both 80s babies. It's all after 85, right? It's really after 83, 85. Exactly. So by the time it comes back around to the idea of me being this early person in video and hip hop and what it meant for, you know, accessible technology to reach filmmakers first, right? Mm. Like John Singleton and like the Hughes Brothers and, you know, we became complicit in what kind of representations of hip hop culture we wanted to see hit the big screen. Right. right now, I'm certain that there were probably other scripts that landed on the table, and Hollywood was like, "Give me that." <laughs> right, 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 right. Like, I'll put that one out. I'm not really up for your Ava DuVernay yet. Right. right? Um, but at the end of the day, right, if we had put more love and investment in love, and it didn't always have to be heterosexual love. I hate that it gets framed that way almost exclusively inside of hip hop, right? Um, but if we just put Black love, even at a community level, foremost in our understanding of what those digital representations would have been, then we wouldn't have given up so much information to the man about how to, <laughs> right? Right. Overpopulate prisons with who we were, right? The insider outsider communication, we're now back to that, right? What does it mean to give over the identity of what gang culture really is to the police? right mm-hmm. mark hawkins came out he was on the uhhm board he taught a class that i was teaching at Mon- uh, uh, monroe college in the bronx right and he came out and he gave like a visual diagram explication of what it meant to have you know a uh, gang culture take over the streets of la and mm. how it became right easy in a lot of sense for lapd to then attack 
incarcerate, overpopulate, imprisoned people in Los yeah. Angeles, California, yeah. right? And so, like, how often have we been so invested in the gangster iconography that's been present in film for decades, right? You yeah, know it's mean? really nuts. Half a century or longer, you know what I mean? Um, how obsessed were we with that narrative and with that history and what did it do to kind of give over a little bit too much information about who we are as hip hop to justice agents. So that by the time you reach the late nineties and you have the hip hop police, right? And you hip-hop think police that is a real thing, y'all. A, you know, a real thing. And you think that there's a strong possibility that they're implicated in the murders of Tupac and Big and you know what I mean? JMJ, like, you know, like Takashi six nines rise and fall and rise. So Have then, <laughs> so let me ask you this. Back to the love. Back to the love. I, I look at I look at black people as a group who who probably has Stockholm syndrome. Right. Most certainly. Stockholm syndrome, for Most those that certainly. don't know, is when 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 someone is like kidnapped or whatever, and the person who's kidnapped starts to identify and, and, and love the person who's kidnapped them, you know, they want to be free. Okay. So I think that uh, as a community, we suffer from group Stockholm syndrome. And so I often wonder one, like whatever we are, however great we are, whatever we're good at, we'll never really know what we could have or should have been because we were never free from white supremacy to just be, We were never free to, to just from be. white supremacy. Yep. We dove really deep into white supremacy when it was war because it was a way out of the same communities that we were already enduring post-traumatic stress from, right? right. My dad did two tours in Nam. Right. And he got one of those medals for taking his whole platoon back dead to the helicopter, right? Like these are very intimate, personal stories. Unbelievable for us stories, man. That extend the post-traumatic stress and disorders and mental health gaps from white supremacy and institutions that were legal and sanctioned and ways out, right? So, so into then- an understanding of what strategy and government inside of our communities should look like in the absence of you know local politicians that Mm -hmm. gave a hell about Mm -hmm. governing our cities so i say right group stockholm syndrome and so then i say to myself okay so then how do we begin to cultivate not only a love that was lost, but like an abuse that has become so normal. It's unnormal. It's not normal to love. It's not normal to share uh, our fears, to trust others with our vulnerabilities. 
you know, it's like if a woman was in an abusive relationship for a long time, it's safe to say she's going to have a hard time having a normal relationship for a certain period of time where she has to reacclimate to what it means to be loved, to acknowledge herself as worthy of love. And so what do we do as a people when this is the problem and the amplification of people like your Tory Lanez, your Chris Brown, and and the perpetual forgiveness and celebrity that they get to exercise... I don't know what to mm-hmm. do. All love. Uh, we're in the middle of a pandemic. So let's mm-hmm. just pretend like that was the first pandemic we endured. It wasn't, right? right? <laughs> so let's just pretend like, right. you know what I mean? Let's pretend for a moment, right? That that 83 to now, you know what I mean? Digital plus hip hop plus prison industrial complex creates trauma, post-industrial <laughs> stress disorder, alternative government inside of our streets that leads to over-incarceration, but also leads to Stockholm Syndrome. Let's pretend like that was our first pandemic, right? right? So now we're in a real one, and it's a global health crisis. All love, structural solutions, concrete commitments, homeschooling. Right. Let's go back to in-house. Mm. What can we do to address this inside of our families, however that's defined underneath our roofs, right? right? right. Or however long this lasts, about a right. half a year so far, right? Right, 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 right. In order right. to address the way in which we are educating ourselves, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, when you talked mm-hmm. about stripper culture, you talked about stripper culture, it reminded me that the Two Chains versus Rick Ross versus was the only one where they had strippers. Two chains bought out strippers. And Interesting. Enjoyed, you know what I mean? That's the, money, right. the whole thing, right? That was about the only negative representation of Black women that I have seen in any of these Zooms, Instagram lives. You're right. You're right. that have come out in the last six months. Why? Because the same Black men that are central voices in hip-hop and have the ability to command the stage, right, even if mm-hmm. it is, in the middle of a pandemic are now doing it from their homes. Right. <laughs> so what are you doing in front of your wife, homie? <laughs> mm. What are you doing in front of your children? How is it tweaking the narrative of hip hop to suddenly make it like the internet is a very beautiful thing? I've loved pandemic internet. Right. Because we took right. it out of the studios at CNN and MSNBC and you know what I mean, yeah. wherever else, right? Yeah. Um, and we put it right in your house. And it naturally changed the dynamic of the presentation of how we associate with one another as a people. Mm. That same deep intellectual thought that has always been on a Nas album is right. now, once again, inside of Benaz's album, right. right, King's Disease, but the way in which the whole internet universe, at least on my Instagram timeline, is accepting it, is like, not only do we have another hip-hop classic, but what kinds of graphics are we going to use to celebrate this? Right. How are we going to connect this to George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and everything we were talking about before the album dropped? Right. What are we thinking about a different way to talk about Foxy Brown this time around? Like, there's a lot of guest features that are kind of live on that Nas album. But when the firm came back around, not only do we have a reunification of Nas and Cormega, 
right? Which so is we huge. Have a reconciliation of bees. But we got AZ and Fox back, right? Been and waiting on AZ since. As a queen. We're right. talking about Fox as a queen. She's not just a gangster in the firm that wears right. TV clothes and is kind of a knockoff little kid. She's like the queen is back. Right, <laughs> doing it. And her partners held it down, and they let her rhyme off the track because she was that dope. You know what I mean? And so it's just kind of like you know, even our presentation, our throwback, and archival imagery of what Nas and Cormega and Fox looked back in the day does not look like the WAP video, right? Where right, we're turning back to this hype Williams, you know, neon mm -hmm. aesthetic, mm -hmm. of, you know what I mean? Like minimalist design. We could have done that for Fox. Right. We could have, you know what I mean? Like she was there, she That's was caught true. up in those same visual images. But instead it's like, go back and rescue her like how we loved how she looked. You know what I yeah. mean? Like even if you still had the bikini on, let's yep. change the iconography of what that's gonna look like. So we're representing her as a queen to yeah. my kids who don't know who she is yet. <laughs> right. You know? No, 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 no. So That's real. like the conversations about it, the interviews about all of these moments, even the, you know, Megan Tory moment was like, okay, let's stop before we have another Rihanna Chris Brown moment. Right. And we lose the opportunity for this rising star, right? This rising woman to gain and have a consistent, you know what I mean, presentation in her culture. Let's give her a dope record and some female solidarity and build her up instead of just breaking her down, you know? And that's pandemic fly to me. If mm -hmm. it meant we all had to go back and do it from our homes and look left at our wife or our partner or right. our kids, whoever you're looking, our grandma, whoever you're living with, you know what I mean? And rearticulate your presentation of hip hop identity. I think pulling back into the homes was a good thing. You know, right. I started homeschooling my daughter at the beginning of the year. And this is obviously before the pandemic last year. Mm. And everybody was like, oh, do we really have time for that? You know what I mean? Are you doing that just because she just lost her dad? She's always been in a formal school environment. What is she going to miss? And then six months later, right, we were all homeschooled. Everybody homeschooled. I smelled it coming. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yo, yo. And in that same home, vein. Like, go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead. You know, what I want to say was I started, we started homeschooling our kid when my son was going from the sixth grade into the seventh. That's when we did. Yeah. So yeah. when we did And it, I did do it in part because her dad passed. Right. Because a little bit extra mother's love not only gets Makes you a hell of a difference. Coronavirus, it gets you through all those other pandemics that we've endured mm. leading up to the late 80s. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Speak on it. Well, it's deep, right? So the reason we did it is because my son was always brilliant. And he was killing it in every class but math. His math teacher was extra hard on him and working hard to keep him off honor roll. Her grade was always the one that kept him off honor roll. And so she would yeah. find these really small granular reasons to always undercut his test score. Oh, well, you see, he wrote his name sideways on this one. Oh, well, on this one, you know, and my ex-wife was like, 
this boy is brilliant. What is she doing? And he would be so excited because he was always on honor roll. And then that year, every time she was the reason, she was the reason, she was the reason. At the same time, right. my daughter was not doing as well, but she, she actually dealt with the situation of her brain just worked different. Like for instance, she couldn't, if you gave her 20 plus 30, she couldn't add it, but she could multiply yeah. it. She could multiply it. We don't know why. Right. So they were like, oh, she needs special ed. She needs special ed. And I looked in special ed and they were all black and Latino. Mm -hmm. I said, y'all ain't sending mm -hmm. my daughter. So we went to a thing. They said, oh, well, you know, then they start trying to guilt you out as a black parent. Well, if your ego yeah. is in the way, so you won't let them, you know, if you're too proud to let them be in special ed, you're only really hurting them trying to attack you about your intent. So I said, well, what's up with the addition they was like oh the addition's really horrible you know da, da, da. and i already knew that i said okay great can you tell me about her multiplication because i already knew that answer they were like well her multiplication is actually through the roof and i said exactly now tell me why how is it that a girl who can't add 20 plus 30 can multiply it you can't yep. give me that answer and until you can you can't put her in special ed because you don't know what's there happening there you go you feel me? So we there put our kids in homeschooling. Both of them are in college right now. My son just graduated with a degree in business. My daughter right. is going into her second year this year. And I'm, I'm really proud of them. And my youngest is technically 11 years old, but she's going into the eighth grade, right? Awesome. Everybody said homeschooling awesome. is whack. Now everybody's doing yeah. it. And I think that they're going to find back to love, right? That parental love, yep. that extra care, that extra time, it makes a measurable difference. It makes a measurable and difference. It, will change. it makes a measurable distance first because it changes their understanding of what their self-love is. It makes a measurable distance second because we will reform community. So mm. what will happen next is we'll be building our own schools. Yep. And we'll be understanding because we're all on social media chatting about it that certain moms made it through the pandemic better than others. Yeah. Certain moms had administrative positions with their jobs that made it almost impossible, right, to keep up with the curriculum of their schools. I'm grateful I'm not one of those moms. I'm grateful yeah. I own my own business. I'm grateful that my clients, you know, particularly Newark Symphony Hall, have given me the kind of flexibility in order to be able to plan from home. Right, yeah. without having it be a major interruption for my kids. Before the pandemic hit, I was able to take my daughter to meetings there. So right. it will change work culture, it will change school culture, right? And it will, you know, at least because we're all talking about it on the internet with all this time we have on our hands, not being able to socialize mm -hmm. in public, so mm -hmm. retreating to the ability to socialize virtually, we'll realize that so-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so -and -so did it so fly that they're now going to join in together and we might have a new black school and institution. Hey, right? I think uh, we're about to see a huge shift in black education, in American education, because so many of the flaws of this educational system are being exposed through this pandemic. It's unbelievable. Most certainly. It's a good thing. My, my plan thankfully, with Generation Hip Hop, and that's the organization that I founded after the work with the UHHM mm -hmm. and alongside Ndaba Mandela, right, Nelson mm -hmm. Mandela's grandson, mm -hmm. was this retire plan, right, that included a new HBCU, 
right? So a minority serving right. institution. And I'm so glad that we had about, you know, a good three years of hard grinding, pre-planning work already completed prior to this pandemic hitting and everyone having the kind of time flexibility to build curriculums for their kids. And my oldest is going off to college this year. So at the same time that I'm monitoring his school choice and helping him do these 10 or so applications mm. to these diverse institutions, you know, going to the career fairs where you're collecting all the brochures and looking through them together, right, across these two generations, I'm planning a school with an organization that's now present in 65 plus countries, you know? And so it's that just is kind amazing. of like it's a and with full intentions on having that institution be right in the backyard here in Trenton, right? So also yeah. engaging local community stakeholders that give a hot damn because it means it's in their city, right? And putting tax money back into our community. And so it's like, you know, like we, we need to build new schools. We need to change workforce culture. This pandemic for better, for worse, is focusing and honing in on what, First, we have to get through this recession, right? But what joblessness is going to mean in order to create new institutions and to unite people into new networks in order to create these institutions. And I hate that sometimes it gets framed as this isn't hip hop, right? Right. But if you look all across examples of women in hip hop and this fight and this quest for Black heterosexual normativity you know that does that isn't abusive that isn't traumatic that builds up black families that right. supports black children that reclaims space from you know the streets right into more holistic presentations of what we need in order to be happy healthy as a community right right and even if it didn't explicitly state, let's build a new school in the middle of a pandemic, <laughs> right? Right. It was talking about re-educating our minds, you know what I mean? And it was talking about kind of figuring out what is, you know, overextended Black trauma in our relationships so that we have positive collaboration across that same dialectic that African Bambada was getting at, right? Right, What right. happens when Black men and Black women sit together at a table what can we produce from that? And I think Bambada most certainly knew, right? Even in the wake of all that scandal that I mm. directly confronted with my elder Paradise Gray, right? Shout um, out to Paradise, the OG. The That's my boy right there. <laughs> Shout out to Paradise, literally, right? Bro. But even in the wake of that, I still think that Bambada meant something much larger than what are you going to do for this hour radio show? If right. the two of you, right, are pioneers in the creation of hip hop's first museum, mm -hmm. right, at least at that level and at least mm -hmm. inside of the Bronx, mm -hmm. then what are you going to do in order to archive our history in ways that don't overlook the presentation of Black women, in ways that have healthy networks for collaborative business relationships, but just something that Milana Karenga was trying to get us to do. Garvey was trying to get us to do. Du Bois was trying to get us to do, right? For over a century at this point, right? In order to make sure that we have, that HBCUs were founded in order to mm. create, right? To make sure that we had some positive networks, relationships being built inside of our community such that our institutions would not falter 
and they wouldn't be over dependent <laughs> upon mass mediated industries because hip hop was the first to see that exploitation at the level of recording industries, right? Mm -hmm. At the level of entertainment networks, right? Um, as digital culture and prison culture and hip hop culture rose together. So, in this situation that we find ourselves in collectively as human beings, what are some of the initial steps that we can take to love ourselves and one another better? Honor it as a cycle, all love, structural solutions. Know that you're gonna take 10 steps back and you're gonna take 10 steps forward, but it's okay because black people are the original people <laughs> and we're the architects of this, shout out to paradise, we're the architects of this culture and this civilization. So even if we end up back at square one, Square one was ancient Kemet. Right, <laughs> right, right, so right. We could, we could, you right. know what I mean? But know that you're going to have to go through it as a cycle. I think that the most misleading thing about Black migration, and this is why hip hop is always representing their hoods in the first place, right? Mm -hmm. It's because we were stolen from Africa, we were deposited here, we were like, nah, we heard there's some cities up north. Yeah, 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 we out. There's some cities out west. Right. right. If you were in Louisiana and Texas, right? right. And we want to go <laughs> migrate. <laughs> right. Um, and that's why we're always representing our hoods. But the point is, even as we branch out and as we reach out, as long as we take enough time to go and heal and return to our homes and deal with the trauma that is also us, right? Both inflicted. Right from the outside by white supremacy and internalized in the inside yeah. in black interracial violence, right? then we can heal. We can take the steps back that are needed in order to take the steps forward. And if we honor our greatness, which is what, you know, Latifah, <laughs> right. Muhammad, what Jean Grey, right? Jean what Grey! Yes. Thus far, right? I love that song, Don't Rush Me. It's mm. like, I want to become a mom too. I'm creeping up on 30. All of my friends are starting to have babies, but I got some extra work to do with me before I can bring another life in. Yeah. So understand it's going to be a cycle, but we're going to return right back to that presentation of greatness that is innate inside of us, right? And that as long as we're willing to put in the real messy work of having that same self-love, self-healing, get redirected back into our community, that's the hard part, right? That's where I was going with Black Migration. The right. messiest thing about that modernist movement for Black culture is that it gave us a false sense of upward mobility for our community. Mm. Now, upper mobility only works for self. Right. If you're doing it by yourself, at the very best, you might get a generation or two after you that have been pulled up by their bootstraps. But if you're not doing it along with the rest of your community, guess what? Your planned Levitt community and anyone who's on my side of the world will get this. Your post-World World II suburb right. will look like somebody's hood if only you're upwardly mobile with your family. <laughs> yeah. 
okay, you got your house. Congratulations. Right. You have your deed and your granddaddy still lives there. But next door to you, they renting on Section 8 because they right. can now. <laughs> because the hoods got overpopulated, gentrified, and said, we're going to send all the people from Camden to Willingboro anyway. Aha. <laughs> right? It's deep, so man. As long as, <laughs> as, long, as long as you're willing to do that cycle with more than just yourself, but you're willing to do that cycle with your community also all love. Right. Now you're willing to say, I'm gonna pull up other people and heal with other people while I'm healing. Right. And your whole community does a three sixty and that's a beautiful thing. Now is is what is the role of things like the following meditation, the Christian church, the masjid, the synagogue? Uh, what is like uh, going to therapy, individual or group? What role does that play in our need to love ourselves better and love one another better? Like, are we abandoning those kinds of traditions or are we building new ones? What's happening? We're not abandoning, yes. We're not abandoning them. Um, because I love that question as an urban planner, because we're redesigning cities, overlooking them, and we're putting way too much emphasis in the city into affordable housing and places to live with no jobs and overlooking what the pastor has to say about what the block should look like. Right. So, right. no, I don't think developers are constantly imagining them, but the folk, right, are using them as their houses. That's the beautiful thing about community, right? You got your house, you got your place of worship, you have your recreation center, you right. have your park that right. you utilize if it's for meditation, if it's for jujitsu, if right. it's, you know what I mean? Like whatever it's for, for you personally, if it's just for long walks and right. prayer, you know what I mean? Whatever it's for, for you, you're using these spaces and you're dipping into these different houses throughout the day. And most importantly, you're sending or taking with your family, right? right. To these different houses and to these different spaces. So they have enormous value. Um, I think what we're beginning to see is that it doesn't have to be as um, monolithic as it was in the past, right? There was right. a time before migration, most certainly, where the Christian faith was the anchor for the yeah. black community, right? right? Um, and that's despite the fact that Muslim slaves were brought here too. Right, right. My right. ancestor, Hatim Bilal, when we went to Edenton, North Carolina, which is where the Gilliams were slaves, right? Mm -hmm. And we sat on that water in the Albemarle Sound. He was like, um, America Amir. That's a Muslim name. Wow. <laughs> Your great-great-grandmother who used to live here, Dini, that's a Muslim name. Right. Like, there were Muslim slaves brought here. So, Deep. you know, that's despite the fact that we were at least overlooking Islam um, right. in the presentation of what our anchor should be. And then, right, by the time we did migrate, and I just kind of told you that story in the mm -hmm. warm-up, my mm -hmm. family history, we were like, oh, Hebrew Israelites, I can rock with that for a little while. And uh, right. Nation of Islam, most certainly. Those are some stand-up, you know, um, proud, determined Black men to right. take back our streets. Even if right. that's not your faith, and it's not my faith. 
Right. I put my son, I homeschooled my daughter for the whole year and I put my son in an NOI school because when he was 12 and he lost his dad, I said, you're going to need, this is the critical time for you to have an accessible black male role model mm. in your face. Mm. So I'm going to give you at least four or five in this, you know, Muhammad University of Islam school in Newark and let them help me, right? And help As him. a mom in order to teach you manhood. Exactly. Right. And help right. him most importantly, right? right? But like I knew that I was missing something, that my house couldn't mm -hmm. offer him everything, right? Man, so that's so deep, right? School day in another house. <laughs> No, I think it's so deep, man. And, you know, this, these are the things that we, you know, I, I'm someone who meditates almost daily. You know, I pray daily. Um, I believe in the power of prayer. I believe in the power of meditation. I believe in um, homeschooling. I believe in, you know, children sitting with books on topics that they love as well as those they need. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Um, I'm really glad you came on today. How can people get a hold of you? Thank you. So the easiest way is on Instagram. My Instagram handle is my company name, Oil House, but it's actually separated with the underscore. So it's at oil underscore house underscore. That's the easiest right. way. Um, and right at the top of that page, I have a link tree to some of my highlights. And then I have the email there as well. And I do DMs because I haven't grown up by any means and I can still manage them. And <sighs> so that's the easiest uh, way. Yeah. Um, if you're looking for my work on the ground these days, um, check out the Project Symphony Works that is coming to Newark. Um, it grew out of the client that Old House has, Newark Symphony Hall, mm -hmm. and the dynamic vision of their CEO, Tanisha Nash Laird, and the progressive Black government that they had in place with Mayor Baraka. Yeah. Um, in order to kind of revitalize a historic Black arts institution, but then also do some good work and, you know, um, assisting and reinforcing supports for Black developers um, in the city of Newark, native Newark developers, no matter what their ethnicity is, really. Um, and, you know, kind of changing the fabric of what downtown Newark would otherwise look like without their presence. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you, man. Thank yeah. you so much for being on thank the show. You. Thank you for sharing all of your wisdom because it's really important. Right? I mean, we're in such a transitional time right and we need to be reevaluating everything about ourselves and the people around us as well as the environment obviously and you know i think you you, you shared a lot of wisdom that we need to uh hold on thank to thank you you know thank you obviously thank anytime thank you, you come so out much, to the west coast is good for you out here you know what i'm saying and yeah. um, my blessings to your whole family. My blessings to your whole Thank left you. coast as you're yeah, dealing yeah. now with coastal fires and, you know, your own um, Bonkers. kind of urban scape and yeah. uh, suburban scape is changing um, and literally under fire right now. My, you know, my every prayer is that y'all make it out of this in the way that Mother Earth intended. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that you get some rain. I'm a big woman, yeah, channeler, that you get some rain <laughs> in order to quell all this fire. Yeah. Please. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, thank you again for being yeah. on Bishop Chronicles. Y'all, go follow her page and, and, and enjoy her wisdom um, in many other ways like you just did. So, um, stay thank strong. You. Uh, you know what I'm saying? It's Bishop Chronicles. Highlight a scholar. You know how we do.
Teacher, what star is that? You are now listening to the Bishop Proud.